Hello and welcome to The Sanctuary, a safe space to speak from the heart. I'm your host, Israel, and my guest today is illustrator, artist, my really good friend, and someone now is working on my secret project, <laughs> Brianna Cortcut. Thanks for coming to The Sanctuary today. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is great. How are you doing? Doing good. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, been a weird year for everyone, but um, I just think we're summer's coming up my mood is really lifting and feeling more hopeful so mm. well i guess you know let's just start with that uh march last year i think that's when it all kind of started right yeah the lockdown um how was the very first lockdown for you um it, i just remember it feeling really tense because ev everyone was scared and concerned and just worried about uh, you know, if you weren't worried about getting sick, you're worried about your job and all of that. So it's just, um, it was just, I just remember the tension. That was kind of the biggest thing. Like everyone was just kind of really uh, stressed. And I definitely felt that in my own household. Like we were just all really kind of tense and wondering what the next day would bring. Mm. Uh, what were some things that it changed in your daily in your practice like you know before and after it started yeah so um my i have three kids so they were home from school and so that changed my practice a whole lot because there wasn't uh i lost my work time basically and um so we were doing homeschool at that time and there wasn't any time for me to work but my making art for me that's my it's my joy it's my happiness but it's also what I do for my mental health and so at that time I found that I just needed to kind of give myself an assignment so I gave myself small little tasks I had to do in the studio that would only take about 20 minutes because that's all the time I had to work with mm. Mm, did you i mean you also get commissions and do things for like cbc um the how did you adapt to do some of those things you had to do yeah my freelance work um it was kind of on pause for march and april but then in may and through the summer it picked up again but my kids were still home so i just found i was doing i was calling it the second shift so the kids would go to bed and i'd go go to the studio at, you know, nine at night and just kind of work till midnight. And um, I'd get a little more time first thing in the morning as well. So um, I don't love working that way, but it's, it got things done and we got through it. So. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Well, you know, now things are, things are really changing. Um you know, most people have gone. I actually have my vaccine the other day, and it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be, but it wasn't like all good either. I think the thing was just my shoulder was really sore for days and days. Yeah, um, same. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but like life is opening up now. Um, how are you feeling about that? Oh, it's really exciting. Um, most of my family lives in the States and I haven't seen them since 2019, I guess. So it'd be awesome mm. to see some family again. And um, I'm sure everyone's in that boat where they're not seeing people that they love. So 
uh, that's kind of the biggest thing that I'm looking forward to. <laughs> you know, one thing I didn't mention when I was introducing you is you're an author too. You have two books now? Uh Three books and one oh my God, on the way. Books. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's, uh, before we get to the art, uh, let's start with the books. Uh, what made you write the very first one? So I know Selkie and Wildflower. Which one is the first one? Uh, the first one was called She Dreams of Sable Island. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The horses. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So I wanted to be an author probably since the age of six. I had oh. this, yeah, I had this awesome first grade teacher named Mrs. Cronholm and she saw how much I loved art and thought I was great at it and saw how much I liked to write stories. So she uh, helped me and my mom enter this book writing contest. And you, you had to make a book. My mom had to learn how to bind a book and she was typing all the words on the typewriter for me. And we, we made this book and that's when I felt that spark and not like it, it just, I can still remember being six years old and holding this book in my hand mm. and just knowing I have to do this again. This has to be something that I do. Mm. So I, I would say I've been chasing that my whole life, but it didn't really happen for me until 2017. That's when I sent in my first manuscript and that got accepted. So, Oh, wow. One for one. Yeah. <laughs> Why did it take so long to send in anything? I, d I don't know. I think I was, it was a little bit of fear and a little bit of, it was such a big dream that I've had for so long that mm. the thought of it not working out was getting in the way. Mm. You know, if someone said no, or if this didn't happen. So it, it took a lot of, I think, growing up and just learning to just put yourself out there and that you don't get one chance at something. You can try something a hundred times if you want, but th that took me a while to learn. So that's what got in my way. Mm, mm. And why did you, why did you decide to make that book your first one? Um, that one I've, I felt inside of myself when I wrote the poem for that book. Mm. Um, I felt such like a desire and a need to get that into the world that I couldn't ignore it. And I actually mm. wrote the poem, put it in a notebook and put it on the shelf. And I, then I couldn't stop thinking about it. It mm. was just almost, it was just a voice somewhere inside me saying, nope, you have to send that to someone. That one has to be it. And I tried to ignore it. But I think if you try to ignore something for a long time, that's a sign that it's art that you need to make. So um, that's why I decided to send it in. I just couldn't ignore that wiser voice inside of me mm, mm. and then you send it you hear back it's like let's do this how did yes. that feel oh it was amazing i just i couldn't i couldn't believe it i kept reading the email over and over again <laughs> i just <laughs> i couldn't because uh, it was it was the first piece of writing i had ever showed anybody mm. and and that's such a vulnerable feeling and and to have that first Thing accepted I think that is very rare and I'm, that's not lost on me because mm. um, it's it's really hard to write a book and have it accepted at all so um, I was just so overjoyed mm. um, so but by now you've been doing a lot of your illustrations and mm -hmm. and animation yes, uh, stop yeah. motion all these things so like but the writing was still and each you had to scratch, right? 
Yeah, yeah. So I'm always writing all the time. And just not everything turns into a book, but I'm less afraid about showing people now, obviously, because, you know, once you do something once, you kind of, you know, mm. get the courage to keep going. So, so, so like we did the drawing and painting thing also start at that, that early, like you mentioned yeah. with, your, with your teacher. Yeah, I would say younger than that. I think my parents said I wanted to be an I told them I wanted to be an artist when I was four. So probably as soon as I knew what an artist was, I was like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. What so, do you find attractive about being an artist? Um, it's, it's just who I am. I can't really separate it as something separate. Like I'm always drawing and always making art. And um, it's just part of me, I think, because I've been doing it so long. Mm. And... Um, I I feel strange if I go a couple days not making art. Like I feel really <laughs> <laughs> like I don't I don't feel like myself, and mm. so it's just a huge part of me. I don't think I could separate it out. Mm. Um. So you did Sable the you know the one Sable Island, and then how long did it take you to make Selkie? Like, did you start working on Selkie right away? Well. The publisher was lucky in that I had been sitting on a pile of books that I had never sent in. So I just started going through kind of my old pile of books that I hadn't shown anyone. So Selkie was sitting there and I said, this would be a good second book. And they loved that one, too. So, mm. <laughs> so like, uh, was there a lot of work to do or, you know, since it was already done? Uh, yeah, it's a lot of work. So the first manuscript... Um, it gets rewritten and rewritten and rewritten. So there's a lot of editing work. So from start to finish, it takes a year to make one of the books. Mm -hmm. um, and the editing process takes a couple months just going back and forth, back and forth with the editor. And I love that process. I love getting feedback and hearing um, someone else's viewpoint on what I've written. So that's something that I've learned that um, I do really well with feedback. And, you know, being an artist working in a studio by yourself, you don't always get that feedback, but it's something I've learned to um, seek out because I, my art gets so much better when I have that opportunity. Mm. So the, the, what were the first and second book about? The, the first two books, what were they about? Oh yeah. So She Dreams of Sable Island was a poem that I wrote, um, about my desire to go to Sable Island. So I had been wanting to make art on Sable Island for about a year. And I had booked a trip to go and it got canceled because of weather. And I decided um, I needed to move on and that I probably wasn't going to go to Sable Island. So I wrote this poem just to kind of get those feelings out of my body. And that's the poem that ended up being the book. And in the end, I did go to Sable Island and everything I'd written about was true so that was great to see and so it's about a girl going to Sable Island in a dream like a cloud of fog takes her to the island and she just explores um, all of the natural wonders that are there mm. how do you like do you like go on a boat or fly or how do you get um, to the island you can go there's uh, a couple tours that can take you there but one's by helicopter I think one's on a boat and one's on the on a plane. So I went on um, Sable Island Air, which is a six-seater plane. 
Oh, oh, oh my God. I yeah. hate small planes. Oh my I gosh. I had never that. been on one. It was, it's awful. It was like, uh, it was like a minivan in the sky. That's what oh, I was man. saying. It's so uncomfortable. You feel everything. Oh, I don't yeah. know how people uh, fly those small planes. I don't know either. Like, no. Um, so I, I lived in South Africa for a while and there's, uh, there's a town called Nisna. So I live in Cape Town and Nisna to Cape Town is maybe a two or three hour drive. Okay. But you can get like, you know, like a 30 minute flight. I was like, right. okay, I'm not going to stay in a car. I go to the airport. I'm I'm looking at this tiny thing. I'm like, okay, oh my God, I'm going to die today. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like, it's not like I'm scared of flying, but like, oh man, the turbulence in a tiny plane is not fun. It's no. not fun. You feel every single thing. And for some reason, it was so cold. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. But yeah. And it was the same for this flight. The flight was smooth. It was great. But we had to land on the beach. There's no, oh, run- there's no runway. So that was kind of wild. Oh. So how long were you on the island for? Uh, just for a day. Uh, you're not allowed to stay overnight unless you're oh. like a scientist or a researcher. So. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Anyway, so so you like get there, and then your book actually comes live for yeah. Because I I had already written the book, and mm. I just kind of saw it all appear before my eyes. So that was mm. magical. And then after that trip, I sent in the manuscript. I'm like, yeah, I have to do this. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, and Selkie, and Selkie, uh, I took. An old folk tale from Scotland and Ireland about it's about a magical creature or fairy that lives half their life as a seal and half their life as a human. And there's all types of beautiful, dark Celtic stories about Selkies, and I've always loved them, but uh, they are very dark and I wanted to rewrite them for a younger art audience. So I took all those old folk tales and then made my own. Oh, nice. Um. Okay. Well. So let's 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 pause with the books for a while, cause uh, cause uh, we'll talk about the third one soon. Um. Yeah. But let's go back. Right. You're you're four, and you tell your parents you want to be an artist. Like, did you? So you d- practice at most of high school. Did you like do any arts out of high school? Like, uh, go to school for arts or something? Not in high school. I I took some painting lessons, but um, I I was just in a room with art supplies all the time that's just kind of where i learned and um i did go to art college so i went to art school after high school mm-hmm. and that was in boston at the massachusetts college of art and that was really wonderful because boston has so many other art schools and also a huge arts community and so many museums and that was I feel like museums is where I really really fell in love with art and painting um, oh, just wow. just being able um, because I was an art student in Boston they give you a pass so I could go to any museum without paying and mm. I took full advantage of that <laughs> and just every museum I could go to I went mm. and I made it a point every week to just like I didn't take that pass for granted and I really used right. it. And there's, su- you know, there's such a different scene of painting in a book than standing in front of it. 
Mm. Especially when you're learning how to paint and you can see the actual painting in front of your eyes that's, that someone else has made and you can take it apart with your eyes in this craftsman type of way. Like you're looking at the structure and how thick paint strokes are and what do you think they used? And, you know, just even looking at the edges of a painting where you can kind of see the layers underneath and that type of thing. So um, mm. I'm just so curious about paintings that being in front of real life paintings, that's where I got a lot of my education, I feel like. Mm. And then like, uh, did you find being in art school and just over the years, there were like uh, type of subjects you'd love to paint? Yeah, I, I did. I went to art school for illustration because I had this dream of um, being a children's book author and illustrator. But when I saw the illustration department, it was all computers and <laughs> it wasn't appealing to me. So um, now at that point, I decided I'm going to switch to painting because I really just want to learn how to paint. So that was kind of the first thing that I learned. And then... Um, once I was in the painting department, so many people were painting in an abstract way. Mm. But I, that also wasn't for me. And I really like to paint things that are in front of me. So objects and people and, um, you know, all of the things that I write my stories about now, basically. Like, I, I like to see the world, observe it, and then paint it. And I, I don't like to work from photographs I prefer to work from real life experiences. So mm. I learned that in school, but that was a hard lesson when your whole department is really focusing on abstract art. And then you stand up with your figure paintings and your still <laughs> lives and they're telling you you're archaic and ancient and, <laughs> you know, all of that. So that toughened me up a little bit too, because I had to stand up for myself and stand up for the type of art that I wanted to make. Mm. And then you're done with school. What next? Uh, I finished school and my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, um, he's from Nova Scotia. So uh, he was doing a work term in Boston and then that's how we met. But um, after school, I was I was ready to see something else of the world and he had to go back to Nova Scotia. So I said, yeah, let's go. Let's go there for a couple of years. And we've been here for 15 now. So... <laughs> Um, and like, did you pause your art when you moved or you just kept going? Um, I didn't plan on it cause I thought we were just coming here for this like two year little adventure in Nova Scotia. And, um, I thought I would go back to the States and I thought I'd become an art teacher and then work on my art on the side. But those plans changed because we ended up staying in Nova Scotia. So we got married and we had kids and I still made my art, but I hadn't really found that thing that um, that I'm doing now that I love. So I started uh, just experimenting with things like maybe I'll paint portraits or maybe I'll, I was just trying to get little art jobs on my own, but I found it hard because I didn't have a community and I, I wasn't able to work when I came, I was on a visitor visa. So, you know, it was, how do you meet people? I always just, you know, it's like get your job or, you know, that type of thing. So I didn't have any community. So it took mm. a couple of years to find um, that supportive community and really figure out 
what I was meant to do as an artist. But I just I just kept working through it. I just I just believed that if I showed up to my studio once a day and did something, an answer would come <laughs> at some point. And what was the answer? Like, how did you find it? I just followed this breadcrumb trail of just listening to that voice inside you that says, oh, I like this. This is interesting. I guess it's curiosity. So it eventually led me away from painting portraits and that type of thing to just following um, nature. It turned out that nature was my thing, that that is my happiness and painting is my happiness. So I have to take those two things and blend them together. Um, So just now I paint only natural objects and landscapes. And that is what I was meant to paint. So everything that I do, whether it's the books or the animations or any project, if I keep those two things at the heart of it, I'm honoring that voice that I have inside me. Mm, mm. Yeah. Um, you mentioned a happy place and that's kind of the one of the, I think it's the newest thing you're doing, you've done with CBC now. You've done a couple of things with CBC. But before we touch on that, let's talk about the animation. How did that start? Because, like, you you go to school and you had the chance to learn illustration. Right on computers, they're like, nope, nope. Yep. But then how did you now switch back to animate? Like, how did you get into animating after doing all this painting? Yeah, I always had an interest in animation. But like you said, I <laughs> kind of shunned that in school. But um, I... Remember the first time I made an animation, I was in sixth grade and oh. my my teacher had this bulletin board with everyone's little school picture on it. And he used to put like, you know, a flower behind the picture or a bumblebee or something. So it looked like the little kid's head was on a bumblebee. And every day at recess, I would just move a bumblebee closer to something else. It was almost like a very slow stop motion. So by the end of the week, a story had happened, like the bumblebee had flown to a flower and then an action happened. And I remember then thinking like, oh, if I took a picture of this every day, it would be like a book. Like that's just always how my brain worked. So I've always kind of had this interest in stop motion. And, you know, when I was that young, I didn't even know what stop motion was, but I was playing with it. Mm. So those kinds of ideas... Um, and have always kind of interested me. So now, now that I am making illustrations, um, I like to cut them up and make them move and play. It's, it's that playing. That's the fun part. Cause the stop motion isn't really on the computer. It's, it's playing with paper on a desk and making them move in these kind of slow methodical ways. And I find that thrilling and, um, it's just so whimsical. It just really matches the spirit of everything else that I'm making now. Yeah. Um, it's so deliberate also though. And so slow. <laughs> yeah. It's slow and you have to be really, I I don't know. I'm like a, someone told me that I'm like a glutton for punishment. Cause I really, <laughs> like I really, I really, really, if there's a hard way to do something, I'm interested in that. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. the, like I could do the animation I could learn 
a different way to do it on the computer. Like someone has showed me how to do it on Photoshop and it's really fast, but I don't love it. It's, it's like, I like that. It's that whole thing of, I like a real life experience. I like something with my hands and I, that's where the magic happens for me. So I have to kind of honor that. So if it takes a long time and it's slow and deliberate, that's just part of my process. Mm, mm. Yeah. I mean, I'm, uh, I worked on this thing and I reached out to you because I saw what you did for CBC. And I think you did that. You did a couple of things during COVID too. So I was like, okay, let's work on this thing. And like, you blew me away and I feel so sad. I can't share yet. Cause I had yeah. to put a pause cause of COVID, but like right. when, when, you know, and, and I, I guess I'm one of the worst people to work with. Cause I see the most abstract things. And I remember oh. saying, okay, so it's about like the East coast of Canada. And I just want to see this and this and this. And I didn't like really have say like a say specific brief and you just mm -hmm. blew it out of the water. When you have someone, uh, you know, commissions you to make something like yeah. that, what's your process to take what they've said and then just put it, make it come alive? Yeah, it's it's different with every person. Like, I find it funny that you said people think you're hard to work with because I thought you were the best person to work with because you, <laughs> you left it really open. And as a creative person, I think you like we have a trust because like you're creative and I'm creative. We kind of trust that spirit that we have inside each other. So I think I love working with other creative people. And but every freelance project is different because um people are coming from different places with it. Like sometimes people have a really nailed down idea of exactly what they want. Mm -hmm. And, and then sometimes people are more open like yourself where it's like, well, th this is like a general idea of what I want, but let's see what you can do with it. So mm. I have to say I gravitate more towards working with other creatives and I like doing projects like that because um, I like bouncing with another person that's like in that creative kind of spirit mm. how did you get to do the first thing you did with cbc and then it's been like a partnership over two years now or so i yeah i've been doing things for them yeah for the past it definitely started during covid so yeah. yeah the past year and a half um they reached out and asked me to they had an audio essay with no visuals and they wanted some visuals for their uh, social media and the newsreel. And it was um, an audio essay by Shalon Jowdry. And she um, talked about the, the happiness and this, the, the joy that you find when you're out in nature and being really still. Mm -hmm. And she went out in nature and uh, filmed a lot of, or recorded a lot of sounds and also herself reading this essay about how that's so important for your mental health. And this mm. was during COVID. So that's why that um, essay was really relevant. And they found, they found me and my art speaks to that. So it was a good kind of coupling for that project. And then we did a few more after that. Mm. Mm. Um, I think one of was like something for kids and how they were feeling through COVID uh, during COVID. Yeah, that was um, a poem that I wrote called Little Islands. So um, it was about how I felt kids were dealing with um, being home from school and not being able to play with each other. So the kind of image that I was conjuring was that 
it was like all these little children were on their own island kind of sending each other messages and flashing flashlights and um yeah it's kind of a tearjerker little poem but it was uh it was one of those things i couldn't um ignore i had to put out there so <laughs> like the like pretty much every book you've done yeah exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> Definitely. Um, yeah, talking of books, let's talk about Wildflower. That one was smacked up in COVID. Um, yeah. How did that one come about? Yeah, so I had, before COVID, I was at an um, art residency at the Byrne College of Art, which is in County Clare in Ireland. And so that was in 2019, so the summer before COVID. And I was there. There's this uh, place called the Burren, which is this rocky, rocky landscape. It's all hills and mountains just with all this kind of limestone rock. And mm-hmm. all these rare wildflowers grow out of the cracks of the, wa- the rocks. And there's an art school just nestled in at the bottom of one of these hills. And I've always wanted to go there and paint those flowers. So my family and I went for a month and I just hiked and painted flowers and that's when all my inspiration comes. So out in the hills, I started writing that book and um, I came back and finished it and sent that in. And then I made most of Wildflower during the pandemic. Mm, mm. Um, and then um, like, I guess, why did you decide to, you know, most people like you are working during COVID with kids and everything. Like, like at what point do you know, and all, this is just for all your books. So at what point, do you know, okay, it's ready. It's ready to go out. <clears throat> um, I don't, I don't ever know. There just comes a moment when I have to send it in. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's, uh, The books come really fast because I'm so inspired that I have to get it down. So I think I wrote most of Wildflower just typing on my phone on a 12-hour drive back from my parents' house. So my husband was driving and I said, I'm just not going to talk to you for a few hours and just (laughs) typed the whole book on my phone because it's just like it has to come out of my body. Like Mm -hmm. I have to get it out. And at that once I get it down it's a lot of little like edits and editing and then it gets to a point where I like all right I need to send this in it has to you know happen so okay let's let's talk about the last thing you did with CBC your happy place Mm -hmm. yeah the happy place that started during this COVID time um at the start I kind of mentioned during that first lockdown period, I gave myself little assignments to do every day in the studio just for 20 minutes. And what I wanted to focus on during that time was just, why do I paint all the things that I paint? Like, why do I like wild horses and seals and flowers? And what it, you know, I know I like nature as a whole, but what am what do these things represent to me? So I would take, you know, one item every day and just write a paragraph about it and do a sketch of it. And that's all I had to do. And in the end, I just had, you know, 30 definitions 
and meanings of all of the of these 30 different objects that I paint over and over and over again. So it was like I had drawn a map or given mm. myself like a visual vocabulary is what I was calling it. And that was so amazing because it's like those things are floating around in the back of your head and you're vaguely aware of it, but to have mm. it just spelled out in this way, um, I felt really powerful and inspired that I had kind of gotten that out of my head. Mm. And in the end, it turned out all of these things were connected to my childhood and where I grew up and the nature that nature experiences I had as a child. So that then developed into me making an imaginary place in my head that I called the happy place. And I drew a map of that. So it's a map of an island and it has different locations on it that all connect to these 30 words and images that I paint. So I call that my happy place. That's where I go in my head. That's the place that I go to make my art. So mm. what a wonderful thing during the pandemic that I had to go to a happy place. And I wanted to share that with people. And it was the strangest thing. I was working on this in my sketchbook every day. Mm. And I got an email from someone at CBC saying, we're doing a series on people's happy places. Do you have anything? <laughs> And I had my sketchbook in front of me, like, how did you know? <laughs> how, did, how did you know this was happening? Yeah. So it, it was a wonderful coincidence. Mm. And that's when I made um, a three-minute animation where everyone gets to take a journey to my happy place. And that's all with stop motion. Mm. I like that one. He started with the actual book and then he, you know, went into mm -hmm. this fantastic place. Yeah. Um, okay, so what's next? Um, with The Happy Place, I'm working on, I'd like to expand it into a series of short animations. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what the final format will look like. I don't know where it will be seen, but that's what I'm working on. So I'm going to write some grants this summer and see if I can make that happen. Nice. And then um, I have, I'm working on another book for Nimbus that will come out next year. And I have lots of freelance projects. So, yeah, I'm pretty busy right now, but it's it's awesome. And then, okay, so you have three kids. Is any of them interested in arts? Or are they all interested in arts? They, they're all so wonderful at drawing, and they're such good artists. But they would hate that I said that because <laughs> Why? they hate, they just... They, because people say all the time, like, oh, you must be a good artist because your mom's an artist. But the, the thing is, <laughs> I'm their mom. I'm just not cool to them. <laughs> so, <laughs> they don't want to be like me. And that's, and that's fine. So I think when they're older, they'll appreciate it all, I hope. And, and, but I know secretly, I can't say that to say it out loud to their faces, but they're all so good at art it's just so wonderful and i can't get too excited when they're drawing or something because they roll their eyes at me but um <laughs> but they they all love it yeah they're all really good at it yeah i mean well you're right i guess when they're growing up they'll know how super cool you are and um one thing i also want to touch about like your your instagram um, mm -hmm. It's crazy there. How do you manage that how do you decide what you share especially your captions also yeah, I, um, I try to be really, my number one goal on Instagram is I'll just tell you what I'm really thinking. It's mm. just authentic and I'm not 
trying to be something else. So everything you read there is really what I'm thinking or feeling. And um, I think of it more just like a daily studio log. So you don't see tons of like my family life on there. It's uh, it's really what's on my desk? What am I thinking? What am I working on today? Mm. So I, I try to just um, have a relationship with Instagram that's like, oh, it just keeps me accountable, like a little diary or a log. So mm. uh like a little captain's log for what's going on. So, yeah. And then in my stories, I do share a little bit more about like my family life and things like that. One of the things, one of the MM posts that stood out to me, I mean, of course, I love your artwork. And thanks for the painting you gave me. Oh, Daniel. yeah. My <laughs> pleasure. Um, but one of the things I love was the photo of you with a, with a little white bunny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's the story behind that picture? Oh, my gosh. That, I was not in a good place in that photo. I was, uh, that was during this this last lockdown that just happened and mm. that was I mean that was hard mentally for everyone but for me it was like Nova Scotia was just chugging along and doing really good and then right. in that right I guess it was like it's just you didn't feel it coming like it just all of a sudden switched and the kids were home and May and June I had been saying all year to my family May and June are going to be the busiest months of my year and then we were all in lockdown. So it was like mm. my busiest months for the freelance work. And then we're in lockdown. So in that moment, my mm. son was um, on his homeschool or at home learning with his teacher in class. And he had wanted to uh, show the rabbit a show and tell. And I was in the closet with the rabbit holding the rabbit, just kind of looking out the window like, what? what am I doing right now? <laughs> I just feeling, I was just like, what, how did I get here? Like holding this rabbit in a closet, like, and my kids are all on computers in school and we're all in lockdown again. It was just like, it, I, and I just, I took the picture. I don't know why, but it, it's kind of a cool picture. And people it, really it is liked actually it. a cool picture. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you mentioned, like, I think we're, we, we were lucky. Like, the first, we had lockdowns. Yeah. We did. But, like, yeah, we're we still, did, yeah. uh, you know, better than most places on the planet, yes. really. Yeah. And uh, But this last one was really just brutal. <laughs> it was brutal, yeah. I've heard a lot of people say that they felt the same, so... Yeah. yeah. Oh man, I always enjoy time with you, and I love your studio too. What's the like? Let's talk a bit about your studio. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, like, so you move here. Uh, you moved to Nova Scotia years yeah. ago. Like, uh, how long did it take you take you uh, to get your studio to where it's at now? And mm -hmm. what do you love about your studio? Well, this studio... apart from the windows. Oh my god! Yeah, I love how windows. well lit it is. It is. Yeah, it's a beautiful space. So I'm yeah, this is my studio now. And it's uh, used to be a garage. And I'll send you a picture of what it looked like, you'll be shocked. But my husband, <laughs> Troy is an architect. So he's got some skills around there. And he, um, he was doing a project at Mount Allison University. Mm. And all those windows that are on the side of the studio that you love, those were getting thrown out. Those were oh. coming down and getting tossed. And he asked everybody, he's like, "If can I have those? Is anyone using those? They're like, no, you can have them. So those are all from a larger building at Mount Allison. And he just fitted them into the side of the garage so that it has all this light now. Mm. Yeah. And um, 
yeah, this space, my whole family uses it. We all come out here. My kids all have desks in here. And so everyone has like a workspace and yeah, I spend most of the day out here, but, um, this was first, it was Troy's first office when he opened his own firm. So it was, I think that's actually why it's so nice. I don't think a painter would be given such a lovely space, but um, <laughs> it was a hand-me-down from his first architecture office. So okay. that's, I think that's also why it looks really cool. Yeah, I know. I really love it. I love the lighting. It's just like, he end that yeah. space and he's like... <gasps> It is. Um, I, yeah. I mean, uh, between the books, um, the Happy Place project, the kids, your 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 husband, everything you are working on. Yeah. What are some things you do just for yourself apart from the painting? Yeah. Um, not there's not a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess like I have. If there's like one thing I've learned through COVID is to prioritize that so uh what i learned that i do for myself is i love to walk with my friends like we'll just meet up because for a while that's all you could do mm. and um but i i'm gonna keep that habit up because i really like that kind of act of talking and walking at the same time mm. and so i kind of make that a priority every week um like during that last lockdown that we had when we couldn't see anybody i really felt the absence of that and that um, it was just so good for my soul to just see a person that I liked and talk while you walk around the lake or something mm -hmm. for an hour. So I'm going to keep that going. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So um, I'm going to leave you with this one. Um, I mean, there's, there's a kid or someone out there watching, listening to this episode and they're hearing you talk. You've, you've come from, this kid I was painting and, and writing books, you know, mm -hmm. six years old to a woman and a mom created this life for yourself. Like yeah. what are things or hmm, like, you know, just some nuggets of wisdom you can share that you've learned over the years to get from, Oh, I want to be this to actually leaving that thing mm -hmm. you want to be. Um, I'd say the, biggest thing I could say is follow that curiosity and don't let other people interrupt that path mm. because you don't know where it's going to take you and you don't you know say you're curious about stop-motion animation well it doesn't have to be you're going to be a stop-motion animator someday it might help you down the line with some other project that you do so mm. listen to that curiosity if you're interested in learning something do it and don't think about the bigger outcome yet like just listen to that feeling be curious try that new thing learn that new thing and it, like the bigger picture will make sense when you get there and because I, I do think that's how because there were there was an easier path to become an illustrator and author like I could have gone to illustration school and then started writing publishers right out of school but I I don't think I would have been ready then I had to take this longer windy path and satisfy all those curious notions. And now that I'm here, I'm, I was ready and I'm here. So mm. I think, I think you have to not let other people tell you what to do and just follow your own curiosity. Mm. Mm. 
Brandon, thank you so much. That's that's really, really powerful. And it's something I, I know works. Because, like, when you're just curious, you're excited to try it, you know? Mm-hmm. And that excitement kind of pushes through the difficulty. That's how I feel, at least. So, yeah. So, yeah, that's really... Yeah, that's... Hmm, I'm going to write that. Actually, I, I did write that down. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> um, I just want to say thank you so much for coming to the sanctuary and for creating this cool thing. I can't wait to share. I know. It's, I can't wait it's like... Um, so, I know... Uh, I think we are going to get to phase three in like one week or two weeks. Then okay. I'll be able to start shooting awesome. the last part of this. So, it should be ready... Definitely before fall, you'll be ready. Um, oh, thank you so much for coming to the sanctuary. Thank you so much for sh- uh, sharing your story and for sharing that super, super awesome advice. Awesome. Thanks so much.